Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillahi al-aliyy al-a'la, al-ladhi khalaqa fasawwa, wal-ladhi qaddara fahada, ashadu annahu la ilaha illa hu, lahu al-asma'u al-husna, wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasooluh, sahibu al-maqam al-mu'alla. Amma ba'd, فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل إن صلاتي ونسكي ومحياي ومماتي لله رب العالمين لا شريك له وقال تعالى وما أمر إلا ليعبد الله مخلصين له الدين حنفاء صدق الله العظيم Honorable scholars respected brothers, mothers and sisters, niyyah, intention, is what creates our reality, both in this world as well as in the akhirah. In the end of the day, it's not what we did or how much we did, it is the intention with which we did it. That's why the most famous statement of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ بِالنِّيَّاتِ Their actions are based upon their intentions. The great jurist, Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah, he used to say that this hadith is one-third of knowledge. And the reason being, a person's actions will emanate from one of three places either from your heart or your tongue or your limbs. And intention has to do with the heart, which is one of the three sources of action. Hence, it becomes one-third of knowledge. Imam Abu Dawood used to say, this hadith of Rasulullah is half of fiqh, half of the rules of jurisprudence and fiqh are related, associated or rooted in this hadith of Rasulullah without becoming too academic or going too much into the technicalities, but this statement of the Nabi of Allah is so famous that it has reached the status of tawatur in the terminology of the muhaddithin, meaning such a hadith which has been reported so widely that there can be no doubt whatsoever in its authenticity. Now, as I said, it's the most famous statement of Rasulullah There is no one sitting in the congregation here today that hasn't heard this hadith. The point is not to share the hadith with you. The point is not to make you aware of something that you haven't been aware of prior. We all know this hadith. We all have memorized this statement of Rasulullah But it's about understanding its implications in a way that it informs our actions. It's about understanding the meaning of the statement of Rasulullah in a way that it guides us in terms of how we live our lives as Muslims. How we conduct our affairs, be they the material aspect of our affairs or the spiritual affairs of our actions. Now normally, when a speaker talks about niyyah, and then you start wondering that is this going to be another tablighi bayan that's going to conclude with a tashkil? That who's ready for three days or ten days or forty days? And we have kind of, it's, it's, it's amazing, it's interesting how we kind of compartmentalize topics. 
that as soon as you talk a little bit about that which is seen a bit more spiritual, it's like people start to assume, hey, we can see where this is going now. This is a typical Jamaat Bayan or Tabligh Bayan. Listen, whatever kind of classification we want to give, this is a statement of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is a hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That's the first thing that I wanted to lay up front. The second thing is, today we live in an age where people say you must talk about that which is contemporary. And we, we often do. I mean, those of you who were present at the Eidgah when I delivered the talk at Eid al-Adha, we spoke about the current situation in South Africa and the need of the hour being that we have to have patriotic citizens. But we must never fall into this misunderstanding that the fundamentals of our deen are not contemporary. Never. Because Islam is the eternal religion. Allah said, I've perfected for you your deen. So every statement of Rasulullah will always remain contemporary. Every teaching of Rasulullah will remain relevant. It is as relevant now as it was 1400 prior, 1400 years prior, and it will be as relevant 1400 years from now. You don't believe me? Then ask Robin Sharma. Because that's the kind of discourse that we are influenced by today. Ask Stephen Covey. Because they are writing books about the power of intentionality. Sounds nice and fancy. But when you listen to my explanation, it comes right back down to what Rasulullah had said, The actions are based upon the intentions. So I'm not going to talk to you today about niyyah. If that's the way you, want to, you prefer to understand it, I'm going to talk to you about the power of intention. That is as contemporary as you can get, and it is rooted in the most famous statement of Rasulullah. Because if you understand the power of intention, then you can tap into that power and you can live a powerful and a dynamic existence. How does niyyah apply to the life of a Muslim? Our actions primarily would fall into one of three categories. The first category of actions that you find in the life of a Muslim are those actions which are compulsory, the fara'id. So niyyah applies to the fara'id in a very straightforward way. You're making niyyah that I'm performing two rakats of Jummah Salah. Straightforward. I'm making niyyah, I'm performing three rakats of Maghrib Salah. I'm making niyyah, I'm discharging my zakah, I'm keeping my fast, I'm performing my hajj. The second category of actions that you get is what is called the prohibited actions, the muharramat. Now there, niyyah is irrespective. Your niyyah has no relevance because something which is wrong and forbidden will remain wrong and forbidden even if you have a good intention. There's no concept of Robin Hood in Islam. That I'm stealing, but I'm stealing from the rich to give to the poor. A good intention does not justify a deed which is classified as wrong in deen. So those two categories are easy to understand. But the focus of my talk and my message about tapping into the power of intention is based on the third category, which is the mundane. The things that all humans do, perhaps all living creatures do. Eating, sleeping, drinking, procreating, socializing. Those are things that take up the major portion of our 24-hour cycle. It takes up the major portion of our life. Let me use sleeping as an example. Researchers tell us that on average, 
you would spend one-third of your life sleeping. On average, you would spend one-third of your life sleeping. So you, if you live for 65 years, you'd be sleeping for about 20 years. And your Hindu neighbor, he'd also be sleeping for about 20 years. And the Hindu neighbor's dog would also be sleeping for 20 years. What's the difference between your sleep, your Hindu neighbor's sleep, and the Hindu neighbor's dog's sleep? You're all you are all living creatures. You're all sleeping. What's the difference? The difference is in the intention. If you sleep with the intention that Allah has commanded me to take rest, I need to give my body the chance to recharge so tomorrow I can wake up for Salatul Fajr. I need to rest so tomorrow I can go out and earn a livelihood. I need to rest so tomorrow I can fulfill the obligations that Allah has placed on me. Then every minute, nay every second that you spend sleeping is considered ibadah and you will get good deeds reflected in your book of deeds for every second that you were sleeping, even if you were snoring like a John Deere tractor. And that is what differentiates your sleep as a Muslim from the sleep of your non-Muslim neighbor or the non-Muslim neighbor's dog. And that comes to my message, the power of intention. If you're sleeping one third of your life, but you're sleeping with the right intention, then guaranteed one third of your life is considered to be ibadah for which you will be rewarded in your book of good deeds. Now, if you extend it, what percentage of your life do you spend eating? What percentage of your life do you spend drinking, socializing? All of these mundane, routine activities, which every living creature does, if you do it with the right intention, you are constantly, perpetually, consistently, habitually in ibadah and the worship of Allah. You're not only getting reward when you come and you say, Allahu Akbar, or when you discharge charity, or when you go for hajj or for umrah. Every second of your life is generating reward if your intention is right. That is the power of intention. Your intention needs to be right and it needs to be sincere. One day, a Sahabi came to Rasulullah and asked him a very fundamental question, a very pivotal question. He said, Ya Rasulullah, Mal Iman. Tell me, O oh my Nabi, what is Iman? Now, Iman for us is everything. It's the differentiating factor between eternal success and eternal failure. So such a fundamental question. Today, if somebody has to ask that question to a mufti, maybe he'll write a treatise in response. What is faith? What is iman? The Nabi of Allah gave a one-word answer. Al-ikhlas. Sincerity. Iman is that you understand, I am a slave of Allah. Not a servant. Servant has working hours. Servant is off duty and on duty. Slave, you totally belong to Allah. You are enslaved to Allah, but when you enslave yourself to Allah, you liberate yourself from everything and everyone else. That is what it means to be an abd. So when you understand that you are a slave of Allah, then that realization will dawn. Whatever I do, whenever I do, lillah, 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 totally, only, wholly, solely, exclusively, for the pleasure of Allah. And if you live your life with that mindset, then every second of your life, whether you're eating, drinking, sleeping, or defecating, 
But everything that you do, you're doing it with the right intention. It's securing and generating reward for you. That's the power of intentionality. That's why Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, The intention of a believer is stronger than his action. How much can you do? There's almost so much of time you have in a day. There's only so many years for which you will live. There's, almost, there's only so much of capacity that you have. You're limited. But your intention is limitless. Your actions are constrained because of your capacity. Because of circumstances that are beyond your control. But your intention is never constrained. You want to go for Hajj, you don't get a visa. But if you intended, the reward is secured. You want to give charity, but then the money didn't come through. But if your intention was there, the reward is secure. In the end, It's not how much you do. It's not what you do. It's the intention with which you do it. You will be resurrected on the quality and the state of your intentions. The words of Rasulullah Otherwise, if we, if we don't focus on sincerity, and that's why I said up front, we mustn't look at these as very basic topics. Hey, you know what? It's like when you go home. The other day I gave a talk, you know, on Women's Day, back in Lens. So I said, well, the topic of the talk was something about how we can treat our wives even better. And I said to the congregation, today when your wife asks you at home, what did Moana speak about? You need to be a strong man to tell her what the topic was. So if you go home and you say, Moana spoke about that. It's like, oh, okay, it must have been a good talk. Oh, you spoke about sincerity. Ikhlas, niya. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> it's like bland, it's average. But in reality, it's the foundation of who we are. Because you will be judged not on the quantity of your actions, on the quality of the intentions that powered those actions. There's, there can be a man who will come with greater quantity, but another man will surpass him in Jannah because of the quality of his intention. And if your intention is compromised, Allah sounds out a warning in Surah Al-Kahf, which we ought to be reciting every Friday. In simple terms, I'm giving you the gist of the verse. Allah says, should I not tell you who is the biggest loser? It is that person who does a lot, who does a lot, and then he builds up this perception that he's going to receive a lot, only for him to appear in the divine court on the day of Qiyamah, and one of two things were not right. Either his belief structure which was, was not right, which nullified all of his actions, or his intention was compromised, which then diluted the power of all of his actions. That is the biggest loser. Because he did a lot and he was now expecting great reward from Allah only to come and see that my intention was not in order. That's why I said tap into the power of intention. Yeah, you're getting it for free. You're getting it for free. You go to Sharma and you go to Kovi, you'll have to buy the book and you'll have to pay top dollar to sit in the seminar. And they'll tell you exactly what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told us. In one statement, You know, intention is so powerful that normally when you preside over a nikah ceremony, then you tell the groom-to-be. I don't know if he listens at that time because his mind is somewhere else. He's probably thinking, get on with it now. You are delaying proceedings. But if your intention is right, 
If you get married because it's a sunnah of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, it's a sunnah of every Nabi, you want to protect your chastity, you want to increase the numbers of the ummah, you want to safeguard your gaze, you want to do the same for your spouse, and the intentions can go on, then every second that you will remain married, and ideally, I mean, if you live 65 years, you're married for 45 years, 40, 45 years. Every second of those 40 or 45 years, even whilst you are giving each other the cold shoulder treatment, you're still getting rewarded because you are in a union that's based on a sincere intention. That's the power of intention. You may be sitting here, your wife is sitting upstairs or she's back home. But as you sit here as a married man or a married woman, if your intention is correct, you're getting reward. Because if you were in an adulterous relationship, you would be getting sin. That's the power of intention. If your intention is right, Allah gives you children. Your intention is they must become the ambassadors of deen. Every kalima they read, every cent they give in charity, every fast they keep, you get the equivalent reward because you made an intention at the time when you were a means of procreation. That's what differentiates your intimacy from the intimacy of your non-Muslim neighbor on the intimacy of the non-Muslim neighbor's dog. That's the power of intention. We just need to realize the extent of that power and then internalize it. We need to tap into the power of intention. Now, the question that can be asked is that how do we check our sincerity? Right? It's not something that's easy to check. You don't go to the doctor and he takes out his instruments and tells you, right, your level of sincerity is here. The scholars have given some signs. They say, because Nabi Wasallam has warned us, the biggest threat to this ummah would be a shirkul khafi, ostentation. That's the biggest threat to the ummah, that you would do things, but not exclusively for Allah. Like you, why is it called a shirkul khafi? The lesser shirk. Because a shirkul akbar, the greatest shirk is you associate partners with Allah in belief, in worship. Here you're associating partners with Allah in intention. There is an association, albeit of a lesser degree. You still will be a Muslim, but your reward is compromised. So how do you check intention? The scholars have written, if you're lazy in private, but active in public, it's a sign of weakness in intention. You know, if you're reading namaz in the first surf, and after Isha, the program is about to start, and now everybody's waiting, and you're in tashahud, and you say, Ashhadu Allah, Ilaha, 21 minutes. You're like, the whole congregation must see with what focus and concentration you're reading your two rakats. Must all wait for you. But if that same person goes home, and he reads the two rakats of up, down, kiss the ground, back to town, then that's a sign there's a problem with intention. When people are watching, then your action is different. When people are not watching, you become lethargic. The second is when people praise you, you continue. When they stop praising you, you stop doing the good deed. That's also a sign of ostentation. You know, how do you recognize whether you're sincere or not? I've seen many different explanations, but this one is simple and straight to the point. If you hide, if you hide your good deeds with the same enthusiasm that you hide your evil deeds, then that's a sign of sincerity. If you hide your good deeds with the same enthusiasm that you hide your evil deeds, then you must know Allah has blessed you on the path of sincerity. I'll share with you very quickly an incident from the time of Sa'ad bin Abi Waqqas he was at the head of the army and they defeated a nation and they had vanquished the queen, the king. And when they were collecting the booty, when they were collecting the booty, one man came with the crown of the king who had been defeated. And it's written in the books of history that the, the jewels that had been embedded in that crown were so valuable that had he kept it, it would have been sufficient for his entire progeny in terms of 
you know, sustenance. So when he walks in, no one recognizes him, but obviously everyone stands back. He's carrying the crown of the defeated king. And he places it where the booty is being gathered and he walks out. So Sa'ad bin Abi Waqqas calls out to him and says, What's your name? What's your name? So he says, That Allah for whose pleasure I return the crown, He knows my name, that's sufficient for me. That's ikhlas. That's ikhlas and sincerity. That's why the scholars say, Check your intention before you do something. Check your intention whilst you're doing it. But most importantly, check your intention after you have completed the action. Because that is when you're most vulnerable. You donate the carpets to the masjid. No one knows. You're sincere. Before you were sincere, during you were sincere. After that, people come to know. They start praising you, acknowledging you. Then there comes the time. Oh no, they, never, they made a decision. They made a change. They never consult me. Don't they know I donated? Don't they know I purchased the land? So Allah does not promise you reward for completing an action. Allah says, Man bil hasana. If you come with the intention intact to present it to Allah on the day of Qiyamah, your intention needs to be sincere before, during, but most especially after. So you preserve the good deed that you did and you can present it to Allah intact on the day of Qiyamah and get your reward. I'll conclude with one example about the power of intention. And let me say this for the benefit of those who may have come in a little later. I mentioned up front that sometimes when you talk about intention and niya or sincerity, people think, oh, they're giving us a maktab lesson here. Or maybe this is a jamaat bayan, they're going to make the shkil afterwards. But contemporary writers, even non-Muslims are writing about the power of intention or the power of intentionality. Because without intention, you're nothing. Any man, even by Western standards, if he didn't do it for the pleasure of Allah, but to achieve, you need to have intention. From intention, you'll have conviction. From conviction, you'll have motivation. Without intention, there's nothing. You're just going to float in life. And as Muslims, we take intention one step higher that you're doing it for the greater purpose there's a sense of purpose behind what you're doing you're not just doing for the sake of dunya or for the sake of accumulating you're doing it for the pleasure of allah now look at the power of intention i gave you the example that if you make the right intention before you sleep your entire eight hours of sleeping is ibadah one third of your life guaranteed in the worship of allah for which your reward is secured now i want to talk about another dimension in by means of one example and i conclude Mazair al-Haq is a famous commentary of Mishkat. And the first hadith of many compilations is Innam al-A'malu bin Niyat. And the, the commentator has given this example. He says, the treasures of Allah are so limitless that Allah will not reward you for one intention per action. If you make multiple intentions, Allah will reward you multiple times for the same action. And he gives the example of going to the masjid to perform salah. He gave a list of multiple pages. I'm just going to condense it. When the adhan goes, you make an intention, it's sunnah to respond to the adhan. Then you make the intention, it's sunnah to make wudu at home. Then you make the intention, I'm traveling to the masjid. When you come to the masjid, you make an intention that whoever is, I'll meet Muslim, I'll greet him. It's sunnah to greet. Then you make the intention, I'm going to enter with the right foot and read the dua. Then you make the intention, if there's any dirt, I will remove it. Then you make the intention, I'll go early because waiting for salah is like being in salah. Then you make the intention, if there's any talk of deen, I will sit and listen with the intention of benefiting. Then you make the intention, I'll read Quran, I'll make dhikr, I'll inquire from fellow Muslims about their well-being. I'll make dua. And like that, in one trip to the masjid, for one action of performing one salah, you can make multiple intentions. Allah will reward you separately and independently for every intention in that one action. That's the power of niyyah. 
life is passing by. Every second that passes in your life is the second that is passed by, never to return. There's only so much of salah you can read. There's only that much of charity that you can give. You need to eat. You need to sleep. You need to socialize. You need to be with your wife. You need to be with your kids. But if you tap into the power of intention, then every second of your existence will be ibadah. And for every second that you breathe, Allah will reward you. May Allah grant me and all of us the tawfiq. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar Ashhadu an la ilaha illa Allah Ashhadu an la أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة الحمد لله الواحد المتوحد بالوحدانية هو الله الفرد المتفرد بالفردانية هو الله العزيز المتعزز بالعزة هو الله القدير المقتدر بالقدرة هو الله الخالق لجميع المخلوقات هو الله الرازق لجميع المرزوقات هو الله الحكيم بالحكمة هو الله الأول هو الله والآخر هو الله الظاهر هو الله والباطن هو الله قبل كل شيء هو الله وبعد كل شيء هو الله قوت قلوب العارفين لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله وحياة أرواح المحبين بذكر لا إله إلا الله ولو كانت الجنة نصيب العاشقين بدون جماله فواويله ولو كانت النار نصيب المشتاقين مع وصاله فواشوقا وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدًا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وسلم أما بعد اعلموا أن سفركم طويل طويل وعمركم قصير قصير وزادكم قليل قليل وذنبكم كثير كثير وربكم بصير بصير وصراط دقيق دقيق 
والنار حريق حريق والقيامة قريب قريب مسكين ابن آدم أي مسكين ثيابه كفن ومركبه جنازة ومنزله لحد وفراشه تراب ووسادته لبنة وجيرانه ديدان وجلساؤه منكر ونكير بيته خراب وولده يتيم وماله مقسوم وعليه الحساب والعذاب حلال الدنيا حساب وحرامها عذاب وشبهتها عتاب لذتها فانية وطاعتها باقية وحاصلها فوت وآخرها موت أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إنك ميت وإنهم ميتون ثم إنكم يوم القيامة عند ربكم تختصمون إن الحمد لله أحمده سبحانه ونشكره جل وعلا ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمدًا عبده ورسوله أرسله بالحق بشيرًا ونذيرًا بين يدي الساعة من يطع الله ورسوله فقد رشد ومن يعص الله ورسوله فإنه لا يدر إلا نفسه ولا يدر الله شيئًا ألا صلوا وسلموا رحمكم الله على خير البرية وأفضل البشرية وأزكى الإنسانية الهادي البشير السراج المنير الصادق الوعد الأمين محمد بن عبد الله كما أمركم الله في قوله إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد وارض اللهم عن الخلفاء الراشدين أبي بكر وعمر وعثمان وعلي وعن الصحابة أجمعين اللهم عز الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم عز الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم انصر من نصر الدين اللهم أصلح أحوال المسلمين في كل مكان يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم كن لإخواننا المظلومين المستضعفين في كل مكان يا أرحم الراحمين ويا أكرم الأكرمين ويا ذا القوة المتين ويا راحم المساكين ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينحى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والباغي يعذكم لعلكم تذكرون فاذكروني أذكركم واشكروا لي ولا تكفرون أقم الصلاة الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين إن بطش ربك لشديد إنه هو يبدئ ويعيد وهو الغفور الودود ذو العرش المجيد فعال لما يريد هل أتاك حديث الجنود فرعون وثمود بل الذين كفروا في تكذيب 
والله من ورائهم محيط بل هو قرآن مجيد في لوح محفوظ الله سمع الله لمن حمدا الله أكبر الله أكبر الله الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين ألم نشرح لك صدرك ووضعنا عنك وزرك الذي أنقض ظهرك ورفعنا لك ذكرك فإن مع العسر يسرا إن مع العسر يسرا فإذا فرغت فانصب وإلى ربك فارغب الله سمع الله لمن حمدا الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله الله اللهم أنت السلام ومنك السلام تبارك في هذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم عنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك ربنا أتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين الحمد لله